This podcast is brought to you by HealthCareInfoSecurity.com, the leading online publication for risk management and security professionals within the healthcare industry. This is Howard Anderson, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today we're talking about the upcoming HIPAA compliance audits with Susan McAndrew, Deputy Director for Health Information Privacy at the HHS Office for Civil Rights. Thanks so much for joining us today, Susan. It's a pleasure to be with you, Howard. Well, CR recently announced a $9.2 million contract with KPMG to create HIPAA compliance audit protocols and then audit as many as 150 covered entities and business associates by the end of 2012. The audit program was mandated under the High Tech Act. Why did you decide to hire KPMG for this project, and when will the audits begin? Well, um, as with any contract, um, this went through an open bidding process. And so KPMG was the successful uh, contractor, and so we look forward to working with them on this very important uh, endeavor. The contract calls for rolling out this test of the audit uh, system in a three-step process. First, uh, we will be working with KPMG to develop a comprehensive set of protocols for how these audits will be conducted and what measures will be used to evaluate uh, compliance of the entities that are chosen for the audits. We will then do a round of audits, maybe up to 20 or so, in order to field test and prove up the protocols that have been developed to make sure that they are working uh, as we intended and are providing us with the information that we need. And then um, once that evaluation is complete, we will then begin to conduct the actual audits through KPMG. And uh, we have established an evaluation system uh, so that we will know uh, once this contract uh, is over how successful the audits were in, in providing us with good information uh, that actually measures uh, the degree of compliance by covered entities and their business associates. So the third step, the actual beginning of the formal auditing process, that begins this year? We're hopeful that it will begin uh, this year. If not, it will uh, begin um, the 1st of uh, 2012. And how will you go about determining which organizations will be audited? Well, we are working with a separate contractor to help us gather the information that we need about um, covered entities. And we will be working uh, with this other contractor to establish a framework for categorizing uh, these covered entities and stratifying them in a a meaningful way so that we can uh, ensure that we have a broad base of entities to use with KPMG to test the protocols, first of all, across um, a variety of covered entity types, as well as within, uh, you know, our plans providers and healthcare clearinghouses to make sure that the protocols are effective uh, at various sizes of the entities and geographical dispersion. But the selection will be random, is that what I heard you say? Well, the selection will be based on, there there will be slightly different strategies. One, um, we will be looking for a variety of entity types uh, to select for the testing of the protocols. And then we will be 
looking for meaningful ways of targeting um, the audit selections, but um, there will be, true to the audit, typical audit protocols, it's not won't be totally random, but it will be, it, this will not be incident-driven, uh, unlike the current investigations and compliance reviews that we do. So this is an opportunity for us to select on a more random basis who we will be looking at to conduct these audits. Just to clarify, it's, it's covered entities as well as business associates that will be audited, is that right? Um, eventually. Uh, I'm not sure whether business associates uh, will be part of the initial selection process uh, because they are a little more difficult to obtain information about. We don't have a list or a registry yet of who is a business associate, so we are still uh, strategizing as to how to collect enough information about business associates to make a meaningful selection. But we certainly are looking to KPMG to have uh, protocols uh, developed uh, for uh, for the cap- to give us the capability of auditing business associates. So the initial 150 to be audited by the end of 2012 could include some business associates, or will that happen after that? It's unclear. It will depend on what um, – I think the contract calls for audits up to 150. So it remains to be seen um, exactly what the, the total number of audits will be, um, and it will depend on how soon the protocols are ready and – how soon we can begin to um, roll out these audits. So uh, we will be working with KPMG, um, and we certainly will be providing uh, advance notice to entities um, if they are being selected for the audit process. I just want to make sure I understand that. Is it likely that in 2012 any of those who are audited will be business associates then? Howard, it's unclear at this point whether or not we will be able to conduct and test the business associate protocols. We are hopeful of being able to do so. The primary focus is going to be on the protocols for the covered entities and proving the audit results with regard to covered entity compliance. Will auditors be reviewing general compliance with the HIPAA privacy and security rules, or will they focus on certain specific issues? It's possible that they will do both. Both are acceptable means of measuring compliance. Um, However, I think at least initially because we are very interested in assuring that the protocols um, are complete and provide comprehensive feedback to us on the degree of compliance, we will be focusing primarily on more comprehensive aspects of compliance um, that's not to say that we won't find uh, capacity within this uh, pilot period for running a few um, audits that are more issue-directed. Every audit will include a site visit and result in an audit report. During site visits, auditors will interview key executives to help determine compliance. Please describe that process briefly and tell us what the audit reports will contain. Well, the model that we're testing is your is your typical on-site audit. 
uh, the the audit protocols will require, you know, there will there will be definitely advance notice to the entity. There will usually be um, advance requests for documentation um, and and survey material from the covered entity, so that the auditor can best use their time on site to focus in on what they need uh, to do and the people they need to talk to on site. And then, uh, as is typical, following the on-site visit, uh, the auditors will, if they need to collect more information, will do that. They will complete their draft report. Uh, Typically, the draft report is shared with the covered entity before it is final, and the covered entity responses to the findings um, of the auditor would be incorporated as part of the final audit report. Will the audit program be used primarily as an enforcement tool, potentially leading to resolution agreements or civil monetary penalties in cases of noncompliance, or will it be used strictly as an educational tool to improve general compliance? You know, I don't think that the audit program will be that black and white. We are looking at it as a way of um, expanding our um, capacity to ensure compliance with covered entities, and there will be a proper role for these audits in that. But we are looking at audits as a way of uh, being able to measure compliance um, without having to have a precipitating incident be the focus of the on-site uh, and the review that is done on, on compliance. So these these will be broader and, and not as narrowly focused as most of our investigations are. That said, um, I think there is great learning that can be done by uh, making uh, public the audit information. We will need to do some assessment um, as to how valuable uh, and in what form um, this information can be made of most use uh, to covered entities other than, of course, the entity that's involved in the audit. And with regard to the entity involved in the audit, um, I mean, as is typical for any audit, if there are vulnerabilities to be addressed, um, that will need to be uh, made part of the report and the corrective action that the entity is taking to resolve the audit. And certainly, if we uncover in the course of the audit um, major violations or potential violations, that we will be dealing with those in the same manner that we would if um, through our through our formal enforcement process. Will individual audit reports be made public, or will your office issue periodic reports summarizing the results of audits? Have you decided that yet? We haven't decided that yet. Part of this whole uh, endeavor is to um, have an evaluation component where we can be assured that the uh, information that we're getting through this audit process is accurate and um, and meaningful. As I said, there can be great learning by others uh, from these audit uh, reviews. I'm hoping certainly that it will lead to the ability to publicize best practices, uh, effective corrective action, and other things like that, um, and that we can expand the impact on 
uh, compliance of the entire industry by making this information public. That said, whether we do this in summary form or uh, publish the individual reports similar to the way that the inspector general does with their audit materials uh, still needs to be worked out, and I think that we will be looking at that very closely as part of our evaluation criteria. Does the Office for Civil Rights intend to extend the audit program beyond 2012, which is when this contract expires? And if so, how would that be funded? Again, a lot of this will be subject to um, decisions that we will be making based on the evaluation of this contracted um, activity. And so um, until we have more information and feedback um, from the actual operation um, under these conditions, um, you know, we really haven't made any final determinations as to what is worth investing in on an ongoing basis. Can you point out any uh, key steps that uh, healthcare organizations should take to prepare for a potential audit? Actually, covered entities probably have been uh, doing and taking many of these steps already as a result of their own uh, compliance programs. But, you know, this is certainly an opportunity for the covered entities to review their policies and procedures to make sure that they are complete and up-to-date. Also, the way that they are managing the information, whether it's in computerized files or good old-fashioned paper records, to make sure that um, they are fully documenting uh, what is being done uh, with the information and how it's being managed and safeguarded. You know, the security rule has its own uh, requirements for risk analysis and risk uh, management programs, as well as, I think, through the experience that we've been having with covered entities on breaches, an incident response plan um, needs to be uh, up-to-date and and flexible, as well as uh, emergency backup systems. So I think... This is just another opportunity for covered entities to take a moment from their busy, busy days and do a self-assessment. Uh, we, we think that this will help them down the road in terms of building their own capacity for a robust compliance program, uh, training of individuals, and, and uh, making sure that there is awareness throughout the entity of their security and privacy roles and responsibilities. Well, thank you very much. We've been talking today with Susan McAndrew of the HHS Office for Civil Rights. This is Howard Anderson. Thanks so very much for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by healthcareinfosecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.healthcareinfosecurity.com.